foreigner, immigrant, illegal. Have you just ever sit back and think, how do people feel when they hear those words, when they feel like that fits them? Think about that. In America, who's not a foreigner? Who's not an immigrant? Now, you may have some illegals, but if you believe in history, they came to Africa, picked us up, brought us back. We didn't have to do any kind of tests or get our papers to be here because they brought us over here. But at some time and point in history, they decided to have terms and conditions to be considered an American. But the ones that's over here now, how do they feel when they hear those words? Well, I did a previous episode about a foreigner, a Haitian, and we got his side of his life. And this time I ran into another Haitian. And I want y'all to hear his side of life. Now, both of those are legal. But I just want you to sit back and listen to his story and enjoy his story. And see how you feel about a foreigner, a immigrant, and illegal. Enjoy. Step forward, step forward. Step forward, step forward. Step forward. Welcome to another episode of Chin Wagon with Ruck. On today's episode, I ran into another Haitian. So I'm quite sure they have different stories about being in Haiti and coming to America and being in America. So we're going to listen to what he has to say and his, his wife and see what they have to say. So let's jump right into it. Today I have James. Thank you for having us today. So we're excited to to do this. Great. And Ruth? Yes, thank you for having us. We're glad to be here. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, my guest co-host, Dana Dane. Hello, everyone. All right. (laughs) Now, James, you were born and raised in Haiti, correct? Correct. How old were you when you came to America? When I first came to America, I was uh, 15 years old. Just turned 15 years old. And uh, I, uh, my dad petitioned for me to come. That took uh, actually a while before the, the immigration system get all the paperwork to be, um, to be cleared off. But um, I was 15 years old. I came to the U.S. And some of the things that um, I quickly understood that I had to learn how to speak English. Mm-hmm. So when I uh, came, I had no choice but to learn the language. I was in high school learning how to speak English, so you can imagine some of the challenges on how to actually interact with professors and as well as some of the students and stuff like that. But I'm excited. Uh, anyway, it was a long journey for me, but who, I was able to proceed. You know, who did you come and stay with? I'm, you're 15, so you didn't stay by yourself. So who did you live with? So uh, it's actually a, a, an interesting um, topic because just like many other immigrants, especially Haitian, who left Haiti to come to the United States, especially early on, and the migration aspect of when you're looking into the history of Haitian coming to the U.S. or other places. Well, my father came to the United States first, and just like most of every other stories, he actually came as one of what we call a boat people. Mm -hmm. When he came, he had on his back pocket his birth certificate and a seal plastic bag just so it can be protected against water damages. Mm-hmm. He came to the United States, stayed here doing, um, um, uh, working in the agriculture business, just like um, picking beans and all that stuff. So um, aside from this, he applied for um, paperwork to so he can have a better job in the U.S., but that didn't go through until like maybe like 20 years. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And it was until after then, as soon as he had uh, his paperwork done, so he petitioned for me to come, and I left my mom in Haiti. I came to the United States to live with my dad, along with my stepmother, who I really love for all of her um, help. Wow. Yeah. Okay, you say he petitioned for you. What does that mean, petition for you to come here? 
So it, it's a process for foreigners, actually, where through you have to go through the immigration system. For example, my father applied for me as his child to come to the United States. So it's a long process where you have to so much show prove that I am his, his kid and I, he has to pay. <laughs> it's mm. actually a big business too if you mm -hmm. look into the immigration laws in the United States, but that's a different topic to talk mm -hmm. about another time. So through the petition you have to, he has to disclose if he has the financial means to actually support me along with himself and mm. yep, and his family and so many other things that he has to he has to do before. Oh, come on, guys. <laughs> hey, Melinda. <laughs> Are you good? It's you fine. good? Hi. That was Melinda. Yeah. <laughs> the owner of Birdness. Of Birdness, yes. Yes, absolutely. Good to see you, Melinda. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Thank, thank you. So he's petitioned for you to come over. He had to make sure he had the money to meet. Yeah, so you have to have the money. It's a big process where um, even the IRS is involved, actually. You have mm -hmm. to get my transcript mm -hmm. and so many other documents that you have to show proof to the immigration um, the immigration officers. And then they send those paperwork to other agencies in the United States before it can get to Haiti the embassy in Haiti and that's where they check out all the paperwork to make sure that they are all checked out and then if that's the case then they schedule you for an appointment like an interview per se. Wow that, mm -hmm. that does sound like a, a, a long business. process right. and a business. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. See how that took a while. So yep. what, what was the reason that your dad left Haiti and that he petitioned for you to come to the United States? What reason was that? When my father left Haiti um, at the time, there were so many, if I could say, uh, a lot of political problems that was going on in the country, mm -hmm. and they're still happening, which is right. which is somewhat sad. But one of the thing, one of the reason why he left Haiti was because to seek for better life, better life, yeah, better opportunities for himself mm -hmm. and to provide for his family. Absolutely. And before he left the country, he was actually a teacher. He was oh. teaching, yeah. He was teaching in uh, in some of the schools in uh, uh, um, in the public school system in in, uh, in Kogai, and he left Kogai to go to Jeremy, which is one of the major part of the Gundans area where we are from. And then from there, he saw the opportunities to come to the United States to mm -hmm. be better, have something better for himself. So that's why he um, he decided to do that. But from that story, you can also understand how. This guy, a young man who was a teacher, well-respected in the community, and he had to leave his town, left his family behind to get to a boat and until he arrived to America where he's going to be working in the field picking up beans and all this stuff like that, you know. So mm. you can imagine some yeah. of the, how that can have to, the process. And mm -hmm. this is something that's actually very practical among us as Haitian immigrants mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. Some of them actually, they either they go to the field or they go to the um, the uh, the hotel industry just to mm -hmm. work as a, do housekeeping jobs or working in restaurants. So it's a big challenge for them, especially when you're looking into as well the language aspect. Mm -hmm. Those are a lot of barriers to that you're faced with, I'm sure. Yeah, and absolutely. and and like you said, for a better life. But at the same time, it's almost just to make a living, just to survive until right. you get to the next stage or step of the process. And That's it, interesting. And it's strange to hear you say that you come and to America for a better life and you got us black people that's in America complaining <laughs> about racism. Right, about racism, about uh, we can't get a job, everything going to the white people. No, you got a lot of black people that say that in America, but if only they knew what other countries was going through, mm -hmm. maybe they can better appreciate and what the they have And the process of what immigrants go through right. when they come over here. Because they're coming here for a better life. You're right. already here. Yeah, you're already here yeah. complaining yeah. about the life that you have. have which here. I'm sure they would swap right. <laughs> positions yeah. with you at any day. Yeah. So, yeah. I would say yes. yes. Absolutely, yeah. 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 So, so that it, takes a lot of courage and uh, just agree. just being um, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but um, being able to stand strong in what you're believing in. Right. I am here for this reason, and this is what I'm going to do. Right. Yeah. yeah, and what you say is actually very interesting because when you look at the the histories of how these 
when Haitians come to the United States, yeah, that's exactly their mindset. Mm. They came here, they know what they left behind in Haiti. Right. And most of them, they want to go back just to live and have a better life mm-hmm. when they go, but they don't want to go back and live the same lifestyle. Right. right. So when they come here, they're going to try to do everything yeah. to their power, work whatever job it is, two, three jobs, just mm-hmm. to be sure that they take all the resources that they can and yeah. wow, and make things happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, Ruth is your wife. She's my beautiful wife of two years now. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So you met Ruth once you, get, once you got here. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Here. We, always, we always have this back and forth where um, I always say that she uh, she had a crush on me. Oh my god! <laughs> he loves to tell the story. Okay. Go ahead. So go ahead. <laughs> right. But yeah. So Ruth and I we actually met at church, Haitian Baptist Church in Homestead. This is a place where we both used to used to attend, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that's where we met. And uh, from there we used to chat online. And one of the things that brought us closer and together much better was the fact that we both have the same birthday actually oh yeah, wow. How cool yeah. Is that? so th- that's something that's almost um, it's almost i'm not saying impossible but it's very rare so, uh, yeah plus she's very beautiful and Thank I would, you. <laughs> yeah absolutely i can so, never forget my birthday so so Ruth, how long have you been over here so i've been here since i was five years old okay and my story is actually very similar to james my dad came here first and he did the same process with what james dad did mm. and he was able to bring me and my mom here okay. when i was just five years old so, so I was, he had to petition for you all to come yes, ma'am. okay we're getting okay. it now all right yeah. so so how old are y'all Mm-hmm. So I'm well. Our birthday is next month, so oh, I'm our turning. <laughs> I'm turning 26, and he'll be turning 30. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. All right. So from five to 20. So you almost Americanized. Right. <laughs> right. right. I was I, raised here, so yeah. okay. I don't even really remember life back in Haiti. So gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, young. Daddy came here for a reason. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you can bring baby girl yeah. over. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> okay. Okay. And, and that's that's cool that y'all met. So. Would would you, if she wasn't Haitian, mm-hmm. would you still have dated her, or do you, in, in your mind, do you want to date a Haitian and no nothing else, or what? What was in your head? You know, for most Haitian, especially being in Miami, where we have so many Haitians, mm-hmm. the mindset is mostly all the time is that we stick with ourselves mm-hmm. and yep. on people but mm-hmm. of course we don't um, have any discrimination or anything like that against any other race right. Right. also but for me it was a matter of there are things I want to say and uh, there, sometimes I don't want to speak English you want to say it in your native language exactly yeah. Right. yeah and there are things I can explain in English it's not the same as, as if I explain it in and yeah. Haitian that's Creole. That's very, that's, that's good. That's interesting. Yeah, so I it, can it, see it that. Make things you know? a lot easier that way. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So that, that connection, the, the connection is already there outside of the birthdays, but the right. fact that you're both Haitian, your stories are similar in right. some ways, right. then yeah, you want to, that's a comfort level. Right. Yeah, and you want to be there. Yeah. yeah. Okay, say, I love my wife, Ruth, so much <laughs> in your language. Moi, belf, madame, I love you. <laughs> wow. I love you too, baby. Awesome. <laughs> That's right. So mm-hmm. you can, I'm to right now, you can mm-hmm. speak that language also. Yes, yes, sir. I speak, uh, oh, cause... Hold on, please don't do this. <laughs> <That's your thing. laughs> My name is Tracy, just say yes. And I, I'm going to explain that to you shortly, but okay. go ahead. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so growing up uh, in our household, the primary language that's spoken is actually Creole. So my Creole is not as best as James because Mm -hmm. he was raised in Haiti more than I was, but I'm still able to understand it and I can still speak it. It's just broken and not as good as his. And if I could say that too, and 
99, close to 99% of mm. Haitian households, you don't speak English. Yeah. Mm. No. I, that was going to be my question. Like, yeah. typically, yeah. do you speak your native language right. at yeah. home? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. When we are with friends, families, together, we don't, we don't really. And I, I, the English. reason I ask that, because I've been exposed to that in education, because mm -hmm. we have kids from everywhere, like Russia and uh, Africa and so forth. And you learn uh, just by watching him and observing them as a teacher, like, uh, is he understanding what I'm saying? And then, so there's a barrier, a language right. barrier there. He's listening to me, but m he has more time spent at home. And if they're speaking a different language at home, he's trying to understand what right. I'm saying. So wow. a lot of immigrants speak their native language at home, wow. which is ideal. I mean, yeah, it's understandable. I mean, it's understandable. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, parlez-vous français? Oh. <laughs> oui, je parle français. There it is. <laughs> 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 yeah. so cool. So how many languages do you speak? Um, I want to think that I, I speak four languages, mm -hmm. but lately I'm not too good in my Spanish okay. anymore. Mm. So that's something I want to get back on. And uh, before we moved to South Carolina, my wife and I wrote, we started to learn how to speak sign languages. Mm. Sign language, yeah, and part of the reason was because part of the reason was because we looked into uh, American sign language and some other ones, as well as the Haitian sign language, mm -hmm. and she noticed that there were some interferences, and there were yeah. ways that she can try to get involved into helping and develop. Okay. Maybe some sort of um, mm -hmm. a universal one where everyone can communicate that way. So this okay. is this is an early idea mm -hmm. that she had, and we're gonna. Probably continue thinking and talking about it to see how's that gonna, okay. how that's gonna develop. But yes, I, I want to say that, yeah, I speak, I speak some languages, and I'm also learning mm -hmm. how to speak other languages too. Um, <laughs> um, this past year, I had a, a visa to go to China, and before I, before that, I was trying to learn some of <laughs> mm -hmm. their languages and stuff like so that. You so you can I at can least uh, exactly. say wow. hello and yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, sure. <laughs> I have a student, of course, school just started. We've been in a, about a week. Okay. I, I met um, his dad, did most of the talking. I'm going to assume mom does not speak English as well. They're from Africa. And so I've only had a short moment when I asked him what language do they speak at home? And he said uh, their African native language from the where they're from. It wasn't Swahili? No, he didn't say Swahili, but he was like, he says, so. He, they're still working on their English, and he said it's almost like not a translation of a lot of words that they have in their language. The English language does not have a translation for right. it. So I've heard that. Yep. Now I understand yep. why mm -hmm. the son that's in my classroom, he's just looking at me, and I'm yeah. going to smile to kind of keep him comfortable uh -huh. because... He's, he's a little kid, for uh -huh. one. He's learning himself, uh -huh. and then to come in to a school setting and we're speaking English, uh -huh. he's just sitting there like, what is going yeah. on? Yeah. <laughs> Similar to your story, but you're 15 yeah. at the mm -hmm. time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm going to get back to that. Now, <laughs> you're 15 and you're in, in Miami, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. okay. And, and you're still in, you're in high school. Right. How hard was it for you to learn English? Hmm. The English language. It's most, it's we've, the most we've got a lot language. of silent letters yeah. in the English language. <laughs> well, um, I can say that I don't like English mm -hmm. at the very beginning because I am uh, the languages that I, uh, I speak are all directly based on Latin. Mm. But English is a bit different. Yes. So trying to find the coalition was very difficult for me. Mm. So how mm. hard was it for me to speak English? I would say that I was one of the lucky person, I would say. And part of the reason why I say that is because my dad, when he came to the U.S., he made sure that he learned the language. Mm. Uh, he wanted to understand the language and understand the people so he can be able to manage and do better in this country. So when I came to the U.S. at 15 years old, did not know how to speak English. So every Saturday, what my dad will do is that we'll sit down and he will teach me some words and we have um he had purchased for me dictionaries in french as well as in haitian creole mm -hmm. and from there every saturday i um i would have homework and my homework would be to write essay two pages about whatever i like mm -hmm. whatever the topic is 
And when he comes from work on Saturday night, then we'll sit on the table and just discuss those um, discuss those writings. And that's how he would actually help me to speak the language very fast. And I'll say within two years, from what I remember, mm-hmm. I was actually tested out of ESOL and then mm-hmm. go to yeah, go to English honors and proceed <laughs> to the next step. English so. as a second language. But yeah. that's that's great because that means you're kids come from so many backgrounds and they have a home life. Right. So in the education world, we call that like parent teacher connection. Mm-hmm. You know, dad is working with you at home. Right. I'm working with you at school yeah. and together we make this happen. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. that, that yeah. was awesome. Yeah. It was a yeah. good dynamics. Yeah. I really mm-hmm. appreciate him for doing that. Of yeah, course, absolutely. And I, I'll say this too, because of those sort of interactions just from writing and writing, mm-hmm. actually I developed this as a hobby. And mm-hmm. I, I do a lot of writing now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. something else developed from it. <laughs> that's great. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now you're in high school and learning the English language. Right. So when kids in high school, they they got in their mind what they want to do after high school. Right. What did you have in your mind that you want to do <laughs> after high school? I had too many ideas. Oh yeah. my gosh! I can imagine. <laughs> The very at the very beginning, what I wanted to do was to go back to Haiti. Mm. Um, after high school, I wanted to go back to Haiti, get into college in Haiti, and part of the reason was because I thought that I could get involved into politics out there mm-hmm. and make a change. Yeah, exactly. All right. Yeah, but over times, I find out that well, maybe that's not a good idea for me. Right. And uh, from there, my other idea was to get involved into agricultural business mm-hmm. and part of the reason was so that I could better educate my the rest of my family who are still living in farmlands in Haiti so they can learn how to process the land and bring more revenues from there. Wow. So that changed over time where I wanted to now get involved into international affairs and relationships mm-hmm. in relation with foreign countries. That switched to business, and then pharmacy. Ph- yeah, yeah, I was gonna get. I was gonna get there. Yeah, yeah. and then I, I, uh, I had a chemistry class, a chemistry honors by Mr. Silverman. May he rest in peace. This guy introduced me to chemi- to chemistry, and I was so inspired by his teaching and how he was able to help me, and I wanted to go to school and be a pharmacy, mm-hmm. a pharmacist. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Now. After uh, honors uh, uh, chemistry, the following year, he told me that I had no choice but to take AP classes, AP chemistry. Mm-hmm. That was his first time ta- uh, teaching the AP courses, so he get uh, he grabbed a few students, and then I was part of that AP um, AP mm-hmm. chemistry course. Mm-hmm. And then from that, I developed my um, passion for science, especially for chemistry, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much what I've been doing. So, so what, what college did you go to? I went to the only HBCU in oh. South Florida. <laughs> <laughs> not, the best H- not the best HBCU. Oh, oh, let, oh, okay, let me rephrase that. Okay. I went to the best HBCU <laughs> in the United States of America. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute now. <laughs> so you was a rattler. <laughs> I was a rattler. Oh, she's oh, a rattler. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So, um, yeah, I went to Florida Memorial University okay. in South Florida. Yeah. And... Um, before that, I was, I was, I thought I was gonna go to FAMU actually okay. to get in, get into the pharmacy program. Mm-hmm. But the reason why I went to Florida Memorial University was because I, they offered me a full tuition with everything included. And when I arrived there, I had no choice, and I get involved into the the chemistry, uh, the chemistry degree, and this is where this is where I was introduced to radiochemistry. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I'm also, I'm also, and always grateful to people like Dr. Tamales, Dr. Stephen, and Dr. Wieso for having the program, and Dr. Linsberger for starting the program. We, we were at the time probably only three HBCUs who had program like, like such to offer um, nuclear science courses to people like me yeah exactly to black folks like me and stuff like that so that was very impressive that's the school you were supposed to go to if you if your tuition is paid for you have a free ride then yeah you're going there (laughs) how how did you get a free ride Mm -hmm. 
Well, to get the free ride, what uh, what I had to do was stay up all night, study, mm-hmm. study, <laughs> and get good good grade and GP and high GPA. So, so you got an academic free ride? Yeah, it yeah. was ac- everything academic. Oh, yeah, yeah, that is great. great. B class is Mr. Si- Silverman. Mr. Silverman. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, very great teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yep. That's so, where the seat was planted. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, where, where do you think that that drive came from? Because I don't know too many, and you're not offended by the word foreigner, are you? No, well, no I don't. Okay, I don't know too many foreigners, but it seems like they all have that drive, that, yep. that, that drive to just yep. excel, then they come here, and you got and people And they that, excel. Right, <laughs> right. And you got people that's here that, you know, you got some people that excel they that's excel American, here. but most of them don't. So mm-hmm. what you, do you think you're, you're living in Haiti, seeing the corruption and everything gave you that drive to want to excel here or even your dad right because because we can follow our parents yeah 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 Yeah. of course yeah what you guys mentioned yeah these are actually part of the the stories like that actually um, gave me the drive to uh, excel in doing what i have to do and the other thing too is i look at my cousins and some other of my family members to see that they have potentials as well right. to do so many great things. But when you look into resources, the resources is not there. Mm-hmm. But when I came to the U.S. and I noticed that, well, the taxpayers, mm-hmm. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> exactly. I, I love them. Exactly. I, and that's, that's understandable, yeah. Right. So you have a system here where um, the, re- the amount of resources that that are available to people, especially mm-hmm. if you know where to go and how to get them, mm-hmm. is actually very great. And for me, I did not know about all of them, right. but I, I had people placed in my life who actually drove me to the exact position where um, to tell me this is what I need to do. Mm-hmm. This is what this is the questions I need mm-hmm. to ask. This is what I need to talk to. So I appreciate <laughs> all these people. Some of some of them I mentioned right now, and so many other ones, of right. course. Yeah. And that's helping one another, yeah. which right. is a whole other mm-hmm. <coughs> discussion yeah. for us. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, a, that's a plus. Mm-hmm. That's a positive right there. Yeah. And I, I might add that education in Haiti is actually preached as like one of the top things that you can do to be successful. Yep. So it's like wow. drilled in us very early. Okay. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And then if you have an opportunity to go to the U.S. for right. a better life and to get an uh, a great education. That's right. enough drive right there to get you get you moving. Right. Uh, great. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> Definitely. When I was in Haiti, uh, we have to pay for everything. We pay mm-hmm. for the school, Ooh. for supplies, and everything. Mm-hmm. And what's but crazy I, is, sorry to interrupt, yeah, they fine. don't even give you like like here. You get lunch free in oh, public I love school. That thing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's I'm gonna eat whatever I this is. <laughs> The life, the life for students in Haiti is so, so difficult. So they would wake up very early. A lot of them, mm-hmm. they have to actually walk to school. Walk to school. Yeah. And you stay in school for however many hours, and you don't get you don't get food. And most of the time when you come back home, you they're starving. Most it's, of them, they don't have food either. Right, all right, so, so are they limited when they get back home also to food? Yes, of course. Definitely. Okay. Some, sometimes. Yeah, because of the resources. Yeah, yeah and, and um, like uh, she mentioned, for me, I'll wake up maybe like around 4.30 or 5 o'clock, and I, I love my mom so much. Mm. And what she'll do for me is that she'll wake me up, go over my uh, homework. So I had my homework done already the night before. Mm-hmm. She'll go over them again. My lesson, she'll get the lesson, read them with me, and make sure I know it. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I prepare myself, and then she'll prepare. Uh, we have heavy breakfast mm-hmm. because this this is what's going to support you for the rest, rest of, of the day. day. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah. Man. And yeah, absolutely. And then by the time you eat breakfast and you have to work hours to mm-hmm. an hour or more to go to school, mm-hmm. then if you are lucky, if your parents can, they can give you some money or send you with something, something in your backpack some to of. eat. Or so. mm-hmm. Yeah. And then by the time when you come home, school is over, you're coming home, there are times when you get home, you have to go to the market to do the purchase the items and then come home. Sometimes you have to cook yourself, mm-hmm. cook for the rest of the family while you have to study and do all that stuff because some right. of the time my parents, my mom will be um, out just selling um, items to provide. Mm-hmm. For, for so they're so. working. 
Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like like everyone like kind of plays a part absolutely right? in the mm-hmm. daily living there including mm-hmm. the children yeah, like parents help the part. children and yeah. children help the parents mm-hmm. like oh, yeah. every in the in the household yeah yeah, yeah. to that's make actually, it work yep that's actually how you learned how to cook oh, okay yeah. <laughs> cooking from like not, what six seven years yeah, old exactly <laughs> okay yeah learn how to cook very early on and mm. thanks to my mom for my mom again right. for, uh, to my mom for um, helping me and developing those skills and she mm-hmm. told me that I was the only child at the time, so okay. uh, as an as only child, people would say that, well, you have it easy because mm-hmm. your parents probably just take care of you, but for me, it wasn't the case mm-hmm. because she made sure that I knew how to do so many things because she doesn't know. She didn't, that's what I should say, she doesn't know what's going to happen to her tomorrow, right. and if something happened, who's going to take care of me, so I'm the mm-hmm. one that's going to take care of me. And another, another thing that she used to preach is that I need to know how to cook so I can make my wife happy. There you go. All right, Ruth. <laughs> so, okay. So he cooks, he's a great cook. He's a great cook. Okay. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's called good parenting. Because yeah. like, when we think of it here in America, we do have good parents, of course, and then we also have parents who are friends right. with their children. Right. And that's kind of like, mm. yeah. In the yeah. Haitian culture, our parents are not our friends. friends. Not yeah. at all. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, do you remember the earthquake in Haiti? Absolutely. So, yeah. Okay. I'm very, sure. Very sad situation. Because they're about the same age. You realize it, right? Yeah. Oh, I was, yeah. He is. He's 30. He's 29. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was in. I was here in the U.S. in high school at the time. Okay. Yeah. I remember. I uh, I left high school that day. I went home, and I saw the I saw the news on CNN. Mm-hmm. At first, I didn't know if it was something. Of, uh, of a true um, event mm-hmm. but then I noticed people were still were talking about it people were calling each other here in the US just trying to figure out yeah this this is real, real yeah and uh, at the time my mom was still in Haiti mm-hmm. and the house where she stayed in destroyed completely mm-hmm. and actually I lost one of my cousins during the earthquake, she she was at school, still at school at the time, just okay. about to leave to leave school at the time. So she passed away, and she was in peace. But yeah, it was a very sad situation. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, going back to school the following day. This is something that everybody was talking about, right? Because it was national yeah. news. Absolutely. Yeah. And I remember getting involved along with um, some people in my neighborhood, just trying to get them to get involved and. Donating mm-hmm. items and trying to get them right, straight right. to Haiti, but mm-hmm. it was a big, big, um, big um, problem. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Okay. Very sad um, story. Yeah. 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 yeah that the other guy we were talking about, Williamson Centel. Yeah. yeah. He, he was, was there at there. the time, yeah. and he was a teenager. So you guys are very close right. to age. He was sixteen. Okay. And he's twenty nine now. Okay. Oh. And he was sixteen mm-hmm. when that happened, and he got buried mm-hmm. under oh, a school. Goodness. Yeah. So he has a an awesome story he, to tell, yeah. and that's yeah. how we met yeah. him, and he told his story. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, I, I can't wait for y'all to well, connect. Yeah, that would be, be great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so yeah. You, you got your bachelor's right. mm-hmm. at a HBCU. <laughs> the best one, right? Yeah, the best one. <laughs> the best one, yeah, right. <laughs> All right. And then what, what did you do after you got your bachelor's? So uh, before I finish with my bachelor. I had people like Dr. Stephen just mm-hmm. telling me, hey, what are you going to do? At the time, I thought I knew it. I, I knew everything, so <laughs> <Right. laughs> I'd be fine. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd be fine. But she always preaches to me, you, somebody, someone like you, you need to get into somebody's PhD's program and have them, have them pay for it while you're doing research and then get a degree at the end. I like that. That's no. called directing you and leading you in the right, right direction. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. She doesn't play, and I love her for mm-hmm. that. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, during that time, I did not really take it too much. I did not put place too much consideration into it, mm-hmm. honestly. But uh, after my bachelor, when I sat down for almost a year, uh, within six months during that time, I this is this is a part of my life where... The, uh, where I was very um, down, depressed, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and trying to think about what's next, what's next for right, me, right. what I want to get myself involved in. 
and very quickly I contacted my professors and I told them, hey, I'm gonna be start. I'm going to start applying for graduate school. Mm -hmm. I need your uh, recommend. I need uh, some letters of recommendations. Again, Dr. Stephen told me, hey, the only way that I'll provide you with the recommendation letters is for you to do your GRE and then show me the score and let's discuss it. Let's have you know interaction because. Mm -hmm. I, she can she could better direct me to some path so I appreciate people like her mm -hmm. yes. but during that time I took my GRE of course and then applied to many programs throughout the United States my uh, my goal was to get into um, nuclear science to stay within the nuclear science um, field uh, but uh, what really happened that was great for me was that during my undergraduate um, um, uh, tenure I was able to participate in a few uh, internships, mm. some of which with uh, the University of Texas, where I was irradiating stuff in their nuclear research re reactor. Then I went to the Naval Research Lab in Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. I did some in internship time there for almost like three months. And then at the University of Nevada in Las Vegas, where the Department of Energy they actually funded uh, provided them uh, the, the university with money to mm -hmm. do summer school um, for uh, people who were interested. So I participated in that summer school, and this is where I met people like Dr. Um, Ken Zarensky, Frederick Poirot, mm -hmm. and then I worked with Dr. Frederick Poirot during uh, my undergrad and then after grad. I mean, um, after um, after my bachelor, then I contacted him. I said, "Hey, I'm interested into the program." And he provided me with all the resources, how mm -hmm. to apply, and all the great stuff. And then he welcomed me back as a graduate student into the program. And this is where I spent seven years. Yeah, you, you <laughs> took advantage of all the opportunities that were before you, having the internships, learning hands-on, learning right there. Right. Yeah, so I'm, I'm sure that was beneficial. And I can tell you, of course, this is something that many of us as foreigners who came from places where we don't have access to so many other um, resources. So as mm -hmm. soon as we see them, we're already thinking, how do I get those? Exactly, uh, yeah. How do I, how can I get to the next step? Mm -hmm. This is available for people, okay, I'm how a person, so yeah. do I qualify? Right. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. So That's I always good. have that mindset. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, yeah. So, so you have your doctrine. Yes, yeah. Um, this past May. <laughs> oh, great. Congratulations. Past, thank yes, you congratulations. so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, this past May, I defended and I received my PhD in radiochemistry at the <laughs> University of Nevada in Las Vegas. I love that. I did. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't know. Uh, if I could go back to that day. So uh, this was no. all scheduled <laughs> and planned for my family to fly from Florida to Las Vegas to be there with me and celebrate. Mm -hmm. Of course, it was it would have been nice, but within that same week, both my wife and I we actually had COVID oh, for the first time. Goodness. For the first wow. time after dodging yeah. it for two years. Two years, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh goodness, that was very sad. Yeah, and it was brutal. Mm -hmm. Oh my, very brutal. Yeah, and the night before, and during the whole time, I, I, I contacted my uh, my PI. And some of the people who were supposed to fly over, I, I told them, hey, I have COVID, so what do we do? And mm -hmm. my PI told me, well, if you don't feel like doing the defense that day, we can reschedule for another time. Okay. My wife told me the same thing. Almost everyone told me the yeah. same mm -hmm. thing. But for me, I know it's been seven years. Right. And every day I was getting closer to just be done, and it was just COVID in front of me. Um, oh, my. Yeah. So... Everybody canceled the plans, and uh, now the defense was uh, scheduled to be remote, to be done remotely. Mm -hmm. The night before, I almost rescheduled it for another time because that was the worst night that I'm um, the, the, um, dealing with the COVID. And the following morning, my wife, we drank so much medicine. No, oh, just so I could Herbal be ready tea. just yeah. to do it. Yeah. Uh, and even to the moment leading to the, the, doing the defense, um, people would tell me, just cancel it because I was not well at all. Yeah, yeah. I was one of them. Yeah. Okay. Telling him to cancel. Like, ugh, I was so in awe of this man when I saw him actually get up the next day. The night before, just a few hours, he had a really bad fever. Mm -hmm. And he yeah. still was mm -hmm. able to get up that next day, the next morning, and complete his dissertation. Yeah. yeah. I was really in awe. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's that drive. That's, that's yeah. dr- I was about to say yeah. the same thing. That's that drive. Like yeah. you see what's in front right. of you. Right. You you know what you want to do. Mm-hmm. You have that plan. You've come like you said. It's been seven years. I'm getting closer and closer every day. Yeah. And then now something is in the way. You, no, I'm going for it. <laughs> I can see that though. Yeah, yeah. Dust for two years and uh-huh. at this important day, exactly. boom. Right. Yeah, yeah. but that. Satan. Right. <laughs> persevering through things of that nature that can take you a long way yeah, yeah. absolutely I agree. yeah i did the defense we had so much uh internet problems connection oh, problems gosh. lots yeah. of challenges it sounds like <laughs> right yeah. at that moment yeah. i spent almost like 15 to 20 minutes mm-hmm. just presenting Tracking. and talking mm-hmm. and then during that time my dad um contacted ruth and told mm-hmm. her and told her well are you guys still there? We're not. We're not here. Oh my gosh! Oh, so you're having internet yeah, problems. So we didn't even know what was happening at the time. So now you got to go back and find out where you were to go back. Exactly. Oh gosh, that's crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah that's it was crazy. a bit frustrating just dealing with that. Yeah. But then as soon as it was over, I just shut shut off my laptop and just go to bed. Yeah, uh, I can imagine. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. it was the weight lifted off your shoulders. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. I did it. Yeah. And, and see, and the thing that sticks out to me is mm-hmm. when it comes to COVID. You don't know what to expect. Yeah. You don't know, am I going to live the next day? Mm-hmm. Uh, how bad I, am I going to be? Right. Is this fever going to ever break? Right. So you you thinking in your head, because you know so many people die from COVID. Absolutely. Am I going to be one of those people? You mm-hmm. still kept going with what you had to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that That's amazing. Motivation. Yeah. And another yeah. thing, too, uh, like, uh, like what you mentioned, so I wrote papers on COVID actually mm-hmm. very different than what I do in school mm-hmm. just dealing with chemistry and reading chemistry like I said as a hobby I, I, I writing write. yeah. yeah so I think I wrote like three or four papers yeah. on COVID and I mm-hmm. have two other ones that that I'm expected to um, send out for publication hopefully and sometime soon mm-hmm. but go look, for it <laughs> I'm <laughs> loving it <laughs> so I look at it I'm like okay so I wrote papers about COVID certain things and how for me to contract COVID what right. do I do, do. Uh, <laughs> so is that gonna be it for me I know yeah. <laughs> yeah. lost the words and like oh what's next yeah no doubt yeah well I'm I'm glad you went on through with it I know I'm sure it was hard well, imagine because oh, I had it too it knocked me to my knees so oh. I, I couldn't I was drained I was so fatigued yeah. I couldn't yeah. get out of the bed yeah. I know how it feels so yeah. mm-hmm. for you to to do it in right to yeah. keep going oh, yeah. and that's amazing I've, dude. I've, that's I've seen um, women complete their uh, college studies while they're about to give birth they're uh-huh. in the hospital and they're still on their laptop yeah. so you've seen people go right. mm-hmm. but the way COVID has been like that's so I'm excited yeah I'm excited that you that you pushed through that because now you. okay now I know someone who oh, <laughs> COVID didn't even stop him his PhD with COVID wow so so Ruth I need you to spill the beans okay so when when this young man came he approached you. At church, right? Yeah. Yeah, but, she, but wait now. She already had the crush on him. So right. Thank you. Thank that. you. <laughs> so that was easy. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> or at least he told that story. Let's hear your story. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm listening, by the way. Make sure you tell the right story. <laughs> Who hits on a woman at church? <laughs> Dear Father God, please help her look over here. Yes, yes. <laughs> so the story is... Uh, so since we have the same birthday, which is actually exactly a month from today, September 13th. Okay. Ah. Yeah, that's my sister's birthday. Oh, that's yeah. cool. <laughs> Good people, September yeah. 13th. Yeah. So what I used to do, I don't know if you guys have Facebook, but it would give mm-hmm. you like notification of your friend's birthday. Correct. So that's how we actually got in contact more. Mm-hmm. We started talking more. Every time um, I would see that he had the same birthday as me, I would always... Uh, send him a happy birthday right. and that's okay. how we started communicating okay. online and then we would see each other in church we communicated a lot however he ended up going away to college mm-hmm. at fmu so he wasn't at the church so much anymore right. and we just kept that contact online right. but i ended up going to date somebody else oh my. <laughs> oh, no. and we had a terrible breakup okay. and i was so devastated so i was posting like all these depressing stuff. yes <laughs> all your stories and <laughs> Okay, which which is understandable. That's what they do. That's what Facebook is for. <laughs> I was so young, so I was 
<laughs> posting all this depressing stuff. And then James actually reached out to me during that time and was checking up on me. Right. And that's how we reestablished yeah. our mm-hmm. friendship. And then it just... Like shortly after, we just fell in love. Okay, wow. that's awesome. That that's is awesome. awesome. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> a broke, he met in a broken heart and made a right. relationship. Oh, right. That's great. right, I definitely think the way things happened were meant to happen the way mm-hmm. they were, yeah. the way they happened, and God brought James into my life. I'm so thankful for that. That's awesome. Yes, <laughs> <You're so> lovely. <laughs> that's great. I, I, I love. I guess foreigners love harder than Americans. Oh, yeah. Because definitely, you can see the love with them, just like y'all with you guys. I love that. That that means so much. Yeah, it really does. I know y'all really young, but keep it up. Thank you so much. Everything you're doing. Mm -hmm. Gosh, I love that. Thank you. That's awesome. So you are. What's your job title again? So right now, I have um, a postdoctoral research associate position at the Savannah River National Lab. So uh, a postdoc is just uh, typically, it's a position uh, somebody with a PhD will get. It's mm-hmm. like an entry position before okay. you get, um, uh, I'll say, a full job, if I okay. can say that okay. way. Yeah. Okay. Kind of an entry-level job, but yeah. you have to have a PhD to get it. Yeah, absolutely. They should call it an entry-level job at that point. Oh. <laughs> but okay. Yeah, so, so that's how I... Uh, yeah, that's how you get your foot in the door and yep. then you... Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. That's interesting. It is. Very much so. <laughs> okay. And then, so they're re- relocating here where we are in South Carolina right. from Miami. No, from, no, no, Las Vegas. Las Vegas. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. yeah. From Las Vegas. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's awesome. Today makes it two weeks since we've been here. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah actually, so, we, yeah, exactly. We, we, we came here and we have a backstory to it because, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, because uh, we had two options in the, for places where I, I apply for positions. Mm-hmm. And one of which was going to be in New Mexico. Okay. And that itself would have been a full time job full position and everything mm-hmm. and it would have paid much, yeah. much, a lot much, much, <laughs> much more, more money. Okay. <laughs> but I look at the work that I would, that would have that would have um, I look at my task there mm-hmm. and I apply to this position also look at my task mm-hmm. I'm a person who always like to challenge myself and keep thinking and staying mm-hmm. busy mm-hmm. but this position here requires me to think more okay. and do more work and challenge me more so mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I talked to my wife about it, of course. Um, mm-hmm. She said, let's go for more money. And I right. Said, yeah, I understand. <laughs> Especially after seven years, it would have been a nice idea to do that. But right. we discussed this more in details. But for me, it was e- our, we decided that, okay, for me, it would be a lot easier to get the pay cut, mm-hmm. but also staying busy and challenging right. my mind. Right. So it was a better fit research. for you. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. That's okay. understandable. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's really yeah. understandable. Some, a lot of people, you know, well, a lot of people, the love of money, we know what that is, but right. oh, but, at yeah. time, <laughs> but at the same Stay time, but <laughs> <laughs> you also want to love your job or be comfortable right. or, or what fits well with you. So mm-hmm. there are times we choose um, jobs, careers, or even states to move to and relocate. Yeah, yeah what works best. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. what brought us here to Aiken, South Carolina. I know. Aiken, <laughs> South Carolina. Aiken, South Carolina. And that's one of the reasons I actually admire James so much because he was willing to take that uh, pay cut mm-hmm. just so he can take a position here and challenge himself more. Right. Where the position at uh, New Mexico, it would have been not only higher pay, it was such an easy job. Wow. Such an easy job. He could have done that job in his sleep oh. but because he wanted to challenge himself more he came over here yeah yeah over there that's his mo exactly yeah. give me the challenge come yeah. on corona <laughs> out the box give me something else exactly. <laughs> wow that's amazing yeah and see, once again yeah if he had been american what they would have done oh they, they would have went <laughs> for the money for well, sure for the, the easy <laughs> job and the money. easy job right? yes. <laughs> I mean, me, me too, Ruth. Don't be You know, even, even my parents, my mom specifically, she'll say, Yeah, go, go for it. Yeah. You have all this money. Go, go. Yes. Okay, okay, yeah, thanks. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not being nosed, I'm not prying, but I gotta ask. And oh you my. just, whatever. <laughs> just give me a ballpark, bigger, uh-huh. of what the job in New Mexico would have been paying. 
<laughs> or the difference between the two. How about that? Uh-uh. <laughs> I want to know. I want to know the exact amount. The ballpark. Was it, like, wasn't it, um, was it 120K? Yeah, something like that. So it was I definitely mean, over six figures. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just yeah. as a, especially as a starting yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. position. Wow. One, 120, yeah. uh, that would have been just that. With, I mean, that's exactly before even, um negotiation or anything like that okay. and of course yeah. they, i had ways yeah they loved him so much that and they wanted him to come to their facility that they actually were willing to offer him more if he oh, had yeah, accepted absolutely. the position mm-hmm. and offer him a higher title <laughs> oh man yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> show me the money wow nice that you love what he does no it's not that you build yourself oh you right. you made that where, right. where you in a position where they can offer you more because right. they want you because of your credentials. Yeah, right. mm-hmm. absolutely. You made yourself valuable. And yeah. his drive. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, he made himself They're valuable. Very, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and you know, in terms of making yourself valuable, when when I look at some of the resources that I um, uh, that I had to get to where I am right now, I look more into what's next, especially for people like me mm-hmm. and for the next generation, what I can offer them. Mm-hmm. Because the people before me, they did everything they could to help me. So it's only fair that I continue that legacy. So I I, I say this to say that um, about about three years ago, I was in Capitol Hill with some very interesting folks with many interesting titles. We're talking Mm -hmm. about folks in DOE, Department of Energy, folks with the Department of Defense, people wow. from you know, the Pentagon and many other places. Of life. Mm-hmm. Big name, yeah. We had I had a chance to meet with some of them actually, and of, of course looking into what's next. So one of the things that I discussed during those meeting, which was my agenda, was looking into the amount of resources HBCUs have, especially when it comes to STEM, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and how the resources actually is uh, helping them to develop more STEM students to prepare and meet the challenges, especially in nuclear science and security. Right. So there was a person there who came from the NRC, which is the, the folks who was in charge of controlling nuclear reactors in the United States, giving them permits and stuff like that to operate. And many people, like I said. So one of the things that I asked was that the United States is producing so many PhDs and master's students as well. That's great. But when I when you look at and these PhD folks, how many of them are actually black? We'll see that there is a, there's a big gap there. <laughs> so when I ask the question, how and what the US is doing to help and meet the challenges there? And uh, somebody answered me this way and said, the U.S. is already producing so many PhDs, especially in STEM. Why do we need to provide resources to produce more PhDs? Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. repeat the question again. The U.S. <laughs> is producing many PhDs. But when you look at them, how many of them are actually black? And you can pin down to see that exactly. So when I give you guys the very clean and nice answer, by okay. the way, so you can imagine that. So. Even some of my friends were there mm-hmm. after the fact. They came to me, asked me, "Are you okay?" and stuff like that, based on the interactions. Right. Right. So mm-hmm. when I look at these events and these sort of interactions, that actually show me that this is the reason why we need to provide yeah, HBCUs mm-hmm. and uh, Black folks with resources to help them. Mm-hmm. Many of the other institutions, PWIs and stuff like that, they have the resources. Yeah. You know, people may not know or people may not understand how to get them but they do have them mm-hmm. even to a point where if the money is about if it's about the end of the fiscal year they have so much money they have to find ways to spend they it they have all to that find stuff. ways to spend exactly when yeah, right. HBCUs, we're just waiting and see how can we stretch this to mm-hmm. next class and all that stuff right. you know so it's right. a big problem mm-hmm. so in terms of what's next so i'm always trying to figure out what what's to do next, next and yeah. how i can help and that's actually part of the reason why i decided to take the pay cut so I can right come here, here mm-hmm. to build and challenge myself in a field where I know not only people welcome me here because of diversity aspect, mm-hmm. but I know what I know, right. and they understand that as well. Mm-hmm. And then using this sort of interaction, I can help in establishing program and participate in other activities to help 
bringing the next generation and make sure that they have resources available to them if they're interested into nuclear science and security, especially this is a big field as we're coming into, um, especially if you're looking into what's happening right now, Russia and mm-hmm. other places, we're not talking yeah. about this right now, but so we need to be able to understand, okay, if we're gonna build a field where, actually, let's go back real quick. Mm-hmm. At the very beginning of nuclear science, technology here in the United States, how many black people were there in producing and working in those, um, if I could say weapons or reactors mm-hmm. and stuff like that. The folks at the higher, at the top, they were not people like us. Right. So that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And over the years, that same mechanism remained. So we have to change that. Yes. We have yes. to change that, not just talking about, oh, why do we care, or um, blacks or whatever and stuff like that. But no, we need to find ways to introduce everyone to the table, especially when we're looking at it. We're not saying, okay, this is black, this is white, this is Hispanic. Mm-hmm. But if we're all here working together, and I, the way I see it is just, I, I see it as like science. Mm-hmm. And science, there shouldn't be any discrimination. No. And if there is discrimination, then we're not really doing science. science you know? no. So that's <laughs> right. just how I feel about exactly. it. So we need to bring everyone to the table, challenge themselves to what's next, how can we help, how can we provide, uh, develop new mechanism to help and, and, and continue with. And, um, and the way technology is going, like uh, there is no slowing down. Right. So we got these other generations that are coming up and you're right. Mm-hmm. We need to have something in place for them where they can have those same opportunities as well. Right. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, my biggest fear is that, uh, I, I really hope that's not gonna happen, but my biggest fear is that you have, uh, let's say a topic or a subject, mm-hmm. and you only have one particular group of people who have those knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not good. No, at that's all, not, it's scary, that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. so that mm-hmm. definitely need to close that gap. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Oh, so he's thinking ahead, what's <laughs> next? Yes, he oh, what's next, what's next? Yeah, so many ideas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So many Absolutely. ideas. Even with uh, in terms of what's next, also I even chatted with my some of my professors before I left the universities and to try to find ways to get uh, uh, some of the universities in the Caribbean to do some sort of partnership where we can open our doors to uh, international folks like um, IAEA, which is an international agency mm-hmm. which focuses into monitoring monitoring. Um, any sort of nuclear materials and anything nuclear related. So they have labs everywhere throughout, mm-hmm. sorry. They have lab, laboratories everywhere throughout, the, in many places in, in the world. So why not build one in Haiti, in Jamaica right. or other right. places, right. you know? So these are some of the stuff that I'm thinking and- Especially if you already have them in so many other places. Let's, yeah. let's put them here and here and here yeah, also. Exactly. Right? That yeah. helps close the gap just as well. Yeah, so these are some of the ideas that I'm thinking. And of course, if anybody's listening to this and want to reach out and I would be willing to create some discussion and interaction to see what we can do to develop better for ourselves and, and help the next generation, That's of good. course. Yeah. That is great, great. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I really appreciate you two being on this episode of Tim Wagon with Rock. Yeah. Uh, but before we go, James, in the last words that you want to get out there before we go? I, I'll say that um, one of the things that we did not discuss here is the fact that looking into what's happening as we, we are talking about foreigners, immigrants, and, 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 mm-hmm. and topics like that, looking into the challenges uh, that Haitians are facing, especially, um, especially recently, we see so many of them are trying to find ways to come to the United States of course, looking for a better life. Mm-hmm. So looking out to, into all the problems, my uh, my dad, along with so many other friends, we actually started to um, work together to develop a nonprofit organization. Yeah. We're about to inaugurate, uh, to be inaugurated next week, Saturday, actually, in Miami, Florida. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and, and for that, I serve as one of the directors, so I'm excited for that. And uh, we'll have a, the event will be will be tuned, uh, will be live on YouTube as well. So okay. hopefully we can share the link if people are interested to participate. They can help. Absolutely, I got you. I, I love <laughs> yeah. it. And we also 
thank you. And we're also looking for donors and sponsors to also help us to achieve this goal. Mm-hmm. So my last word is let's work together and creating a better world for everyone, not just for ourselves, but mm-hmm. also for the next generation. And I appreciate I very appreciate, very much appreciate you guys for doing what you guys are doing. It's mm-hmm. actually a very good opportunity to share share and learn stories from various people. So this is great. And I, I'm happy to meet people like you guys. Yeah, good great. people. Awesome. Same here. <laughs> no <Nice>. doubt. <laughs> Ruth, in the last words? Um, I was so happy to be here. This was such, I was nervous at first, but you guys made it so easy and um, easy going to talk to. So thank you so much for having us. It was All such right. a pleasure. And I hope that we can keep in touch. Absolutely. <laughs> Sounds good. Dana Dane? Oh, boy. I'm like... I guess listening to your story, I kind of feel like I might want to go back to school and get my specialist now. (laughs) So it was inspiring because of the opportunities there. Like, why not? But uh, yeah, so thank you for sharing your story. And definitely, I would like to keep in touch with you. Thank you. It was great. Well, my last word is, (laughs) I don't want to sound weird, but when I hear or meet a foreigner, I get excited <laughs> because I, I'm a I'm a country bunkin, so mm-hmm. I I barely got out of Georgia. <laughs> For someone to come from another country, that just it it, it enlightens me and yeah. and, to and to hear that story. Yeah, yeah. And to hear your story and what what y'all did and how y'all excel in America, mm-hmm. you know, it it, it inspiring. Mm-hmm. It just it, it it gets me goosebumps. Mm-hmm. I, I I love it and. <laughs> And this is not anything against any race, but to see my black people mm-hmm. excel, you have a PhD, dude. <laughs> love that. And I then the, the field that it's in, oh my goodness, <laughs> love that. Also, yeah. I'm talking about, I, I You're mind it. blown. Yes, it's mind blown. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. All. And I really appreciate you and your lovely wife to be a part of Chin Wagon with Rub, mm-hmm. tell your story. It was a great story. Thank you very and, much. And definitely we will keep in touch. Yes. Okay. Thank no you. Doubt. No <laughs> doubt. From the mind to the lips to the heavens. Until next time, peace from the heart. Speaking.